On today's episode of the Keto Camp Podcast, we bring on biohacker and brilliant educator, Melanie Avalon. by the concept of being offended. And I think one of the biggest epiphanies I've had for me personally is that if I ever feel offended, it means there's something in me that I am scared of or insecure about or triggered by. Like it is not the other person. It is never the other person. Like as far as like the responsibility, you being offended is not the other person's responsibility. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. Hope you are having an incredible day today. I've got a lot of vitamin G gratitude for you. I don't know if you are driving right now in your car listening to me, walking your dog, maybe you are exercising, washing dishes, but I want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to spend part of my day with you and vice versa. I know there's a lot of options out there, not just with podcasts, but things you can be doing and you chose us. So I am just so grateful. Thanks for allowing me to be a part of your day. Today, I bring on Melanie Avalon, and I've been a fan of her work for so many years listening to her awesome podcast, The Melanie Avalon Podcast. We had such a great conversation. If you don't know Melanie's backstory, wait till you hear it. Going to film school, doing low-carb and intermittent fasting, back before it was cool to do low-carb and intermittent fasting, eating nothing but rotisserie chicken and coconut oil for six months, uh, and then getting sick, You know, getting a heavy metal toxicity We'll get into the role of toxins uh, as obesogens, uh, the role of toxicity with our health and what it did to her. We'll get into some unique things there that will be light bulb moments for you. I really believe it. And then we get into some some really cool questions that I asked her. I said, hey, Melanie, what are three of your favorite free biohacks? She actually gave me four and you're going to love. The fourth one is my favorite one. I asked her, what are three of your favorite paid biohacks? And her last answer was actually very interesting to me. And then I, I asked her another question because she's recorded 500 or so podcasts with both of her podcasts. And as a podcast host myself, there are common themes. So I asked her, hey, out of your 500 podcasts, what are three of the most common themes that you've seen? Because let's face it, it could be super confusing when you bring on somebody and they say, eat vegetables. And then we bring on another one who says, stay away from vegetables. They are going to kill you. And a lot of these people are brilliant, but it could be confusing. So I love to ask this question because it's the common themes that we see over and over and over. And that holds weight in my book. And I think that's going to hold weight for you to put a lot of value on her answer there. 
I also asked her a question that she was never asked before. She was actually, she loved the question, which was, out of all the podcasts you've recorded, did you ever choose not to air one or maybe more than one? And if that's the case, why? And it was the case. And you'll hear why she decided not to air that podcast. We'll get into some of the supplements she has created over at her avalonx.us website. I've been taking a few of them, serapeptides and her magnesium, and she has a few others. We also have a coupon code for you to get any of her products, KetoCamp, at checkout. We'll talk about that, put in the notes down below. So I cannot wait to bring on Melanie. Before I do, let's take a moment to acknowledge and appreciate and give a shout out to the today's podcast rating and review of the day from Shetzam, titled Brilliant and informative. I found Ben in Keto Camp about three months ago into my keto journey. I love his style of information giving. Always interesting and always engaging. I actually have a folder in my photo gallery of screenshots from Ben's writings. He offers so much information regarding nutrition and how the body really works. I refer to his teachings as a great source to enlightenment and clarity on many subjects related to health and well-being. I love that. I want to see that folder of screenshots. What do you got there? That's super cool. Hey, if you want to email that to me, email that. I'd love to see your, your folder of screenshots. Support at ketocamp.com is my email. Thank you, Shad Sam, for listening to the show. I'm so grateful. Keep up your keto and fasting journey. I'm proud of you. If you have not left the Keto Camp podcast a rating or a review yet on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast you're listening from, please do so right now. It helps the show grow, helps us reach more people. Okay, let's have a fun conversation all about biohacking with the wonderful Melanie Avalon. Melanie Avalon is a SAG-AFTRA actress. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. (laughs) S-A-G-A-F-T-R-A. We'll leave that in the podcast recording. She's the author of What, When, Wine? Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting and Wine. Sounds fun. She is the host of the top iTunes podcast, the Melanie Avalon podcast biohacking podcast and the intermittent fasting podcast with Cynthia Thurlow. She's got millions of downloads. She's been featured in numerous publications, including USA Today, Forbes, Fox 13, and Entrepreneur, as well as a speaker in Dave Asprey's 2021 biohacking conference. Melanie is certified as a wine specialist. She's a holistic nutritionist and a member of Menza International. She recently launched her first eagerly anticipated supplement line called Avalon X with her first supplement, Serapeptize 125. I've been using that, by the way. Her goal with Avalon X is to provide the highest quality versions of supplements that she currently takes, formulated by purity, potency, transparency, and sustainability. Uh, We have a coupon code for her products, KetoCamp, at checkout. Here's Melanie Avalon. Hey, Melanie. Welcome to the KetoCamp podcast. Thank you, Ben. I am so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this for so long. So this is quite a moment, quite an honor. It transpired throughout your your career that you started to get fascinated with health and nutrition. Yeah. So I, like many people, was always doing lots of diets growing up. <laughs> so I was always trying like literally everything and mostly calorie counting was the consistent theme. But when I first tried a low carb diet in college, that was the first time that I not only started experiencing actual like lasting success with weight loss, but I really started realizing 
the effects that food had on me beyond weight. I was like, like, like it was, it's funny because now it's just so overwhelmingly obvious to me how important and how much what we eat affects our entire constitution and our health and everything. But literally it didn't really occur to me until I made that change with low carb and I my energy levels got better, my skin got better. And then I just got a little bit obsessed with the science of diet and health. And this was way before like fasting was very popular or even like keto. Like, cause I remember, um, I did keto and I was like doing the urine, t- <laughs> the urine test strips and everything. And that was before, like, that was well known, but I was so excited because I think like the keto sticks with the with the urine test, I was like, oh, I can actually measure fat burning, sort of, even though that's not really what you're doing. But it just felt so real to me. And then I got just more obsessed and I started trying intermittent fasting. And that was again way before anybody knew what it was. I decided that I would eat one meal a day and I decided that I would do it for a week just as an experiment. And I never stopped because it was that amazing. And then when I graduated college, I found the paleo diet and that was kind of like the final proverbial piece in the puzzle um, because I hadn't really cleaned up. Like I was still eating like processed foods and artificial sweeteners. And so that was the, I read Rob Wolf's The Paleo Solution, who I've now had on my, I think I've interviewed him like four times now, which is so surreal. I love him. I like love him. I, I, the first time I interviewed him, I almost started crying. I was so happy. Oh, I love um, it. But, Rob's um, great. Yeah. So that's how I got into it. And then I just, um, after college as well, we were just talking before this, how you as well had mold toxicity. I got a slew of health issues. It was mold toxicity. The apartment that I was in had carbon monoxide leaking from the oven every night. And I had a GI thing with uh, food poisoning and SIBO and I just wasn't feeling well. And so like the way I am as an obsessive researcher, I just started obsessively researching everything and trying to make myself feel better. And the more I learned, the more I wanted to like share what I was learning and what was helping with other people. And that's like the podcasting platform is amazing for that. Now with social media, like the influencer platform, like Instagram and everything, Facebook's, Facebook communities. I'm really grateful that I live in the time I am right now where I can just like share with people. I mean, I guess like traditionally you could write a book and I, and I have written a book, but you can instantly share and connect. So that's where I am now with everything. I love it. Your your pain turned into a purpose like so many of us in this space. And I have a couple of questions for you. So you started doing OMAD one meal a day because you fell in love with fasting before fasting was a thing, before Cynthia Thurlow's TEDx talk was even out there that went viral. And what were your friends saying at that time? Because it wasn't a thing. Were they saying you have an eating disorder, you're starving yourself? What are some of the comments you got back then? Yes. Yeah, so, it's funny. I, I for, totally forgot about this. I... um. I had one really good friend in film school, shout out to Ben Impey. We would always do the crazy diets together. Like <laughs> we did, we did the HCG diet together. Like we would do <laughs> I remember the, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, so we would always try everything. And so we decided to try the one meal a day thing together. And the way I found it, you know what? I should see if this is still up. There was a blog post by Rusty Moore called like 
eat one meal a day to lose weight. And it had like all of these comments. And I read that and that's when I decided to to try it. But um, the nice thing is I, I was in college. So people didn't really like, I, I remember the first day that I was doing it, I was working on my friend's film set because I studied film and theater at USC. So all I did was I just, um, cause the way it works with film sets, they always have like the snack stations and everything set up. So I was like, I'll just stay like really busy on the set. I'll just like drink all the tea, drink all the coffee. And it was so, so much easier than I thought it would be. But as far as like people reacting, I mean, my roommates were totally used to it because because I was always doing crazy diets. Like I remember at one point I, um, I did the cookie diet and I had like these shipments of cookies sent and I was eating these crazy cookies. Um, but I feel like in college, like everybody's doing crazy stuff. So I I don't know people, I probably was more concerned than, than most people were. Um, but his store, I will say though, to that point, especially with intermittent fasting, like people often think the hardest thing will be not eating. And that is, once people try it typically very, very easy because of all the hormonal changes and you become fat adapted and you know, it's just easy. Honestly, I think the hardest thing for most people is the social reactions from like people, people are not down with, <laughs> with people doing, um, sticking to dietary routines often. So, um, true. Yeah. The struggle is real. So you did a cookie diet, a cookie fast. How, how, how long was that? And I probably did that for a few months. Um, and what was funny is I've looked back at the ingredients now and it's because this was before like paleo and everything. It literally, I think the first ingredient is like gluten and it's, it was like these like bags of cookies and you're supposed to eat them for breakfast and lunch and then eat a normal dinner. But I would normally just, I love them so much. I would normally like, it, it didn't work. I would eat them that I'd like eat extra and it, it was not good. Not good. Oh boy. There was probably some seed oils in those cookies too, I probably. would imagine. Probably. It's probably like gluten and seed oils. Yeah, the, the like match done. made in, in, in heaven right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also know that you, I also know, Melanie, that you ate nothing but rotisserie chicken and coconut oil for six months. <laughs> Why did you do that? Did you just feel good eating meat? It was kind of carnivore before carnivore was a thing, right? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. No, seriously, like I could have started the carnivore movement because I was doing it like forever ago. No, I was doing that because I love meat. I love protein. I could like I could just eat pounds and pounds of meat. And at school, they would mark down the rotisserie chickens every night at the grocery store to like three dollars. So I would at eleven p.m. and I had night classes. So like right after night classes, I would just go get my three dollar rotisserie chicken. I was like, this is great. I can just like eat all I want. It was perfect. And I did that. Yeah, probably like six months and lots of coconut oil. Oh, boy. so they you just like shove your hand through the carcass and just eat it off the bone like that? <laughs> Pretty much. I, uh, yeah, I can go down with uh, a rotisserie chicken. <laughs> so. It's funny because when I went through my my uh, weight loss transformation in 2008, big part of it, I ate a lot of rotisserie chickens too. I, I, I felt good with it. And it's like, it's interesting how I look back and you look back and it's like, now this is a thing, eating nothing but meat and the fact that there's no anti-nutrients in meats, but your body kind of knows what you feel good with, but still wouldn't recommend six straight months of it. You're a little bit radical in that sense, Melanie. Yeah, I tend to go pretty extremist with everything. It wor- like it works really well for me. I'm actually, I'm really jealous of moderationists because I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are like moderationists and they do well with like being in the middle and like control. And for me, it's all or none. So I have to have like very intense boundaries and then like go all in 
within the boundary. I think you have to just know yourself, know what type of person you are. Absolutely. I'm like you. Absolutely. I'm the same way. Now, you mentioned carbon monoxide poisoning from your oven, mold poisoning from your apartment, uh, I think it was. And then there was also a component of heavy metals, right? That you had a heavy metal poisoning. Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. It came from fish. And the reason I think that's funny is my levels were so high. Like when I when I would get them tested, the doctors were like, like, this can't be just from fish, but it was. Were you just eating like cans of tuna every day? What were you doing? Well, so going back to how I eat a lot of meat, um, I, I was never eating fish growing up. It was like not my thing. And then I discovered the world of fish and I was like, oh my goodness, like fish is amazing. And I was concerned about mercury, but, and I, I get very passionate about this. So I might go on like a soapbox. Please do so. Okay. So I, I took it seriously, but not not too, I, I didn't take it seriously enough. I don't think I really realized the amounts of mercury that can be in fish. So for example, if you, if you go and look at like, there's this chart, the most recent chart were from like, I think it's like a government analysis of like every species of fish ever and mercury levels. If you take, and again, this, this would be like an extreme comparison, but if you take like a piece of tilapia on the lowest end, so like with the lowest amount of mercury from all the tilapia they tested. And then you compare it to a piece of swordfish from the highest end and like compare those two. The swordfish is 300 times the amount of mercury as that one piece of tilapia. So, and I think people don't realize this because you don't see mercury, you know, like when you're eating the fish, like you don't see it. So it doesn't feel real and you don't anticipate an experience from that, but just envision because I, I honestly, I think it should be illegal to have swordfish in restaurants. Like, I, I don't think we should be able to eat this. So like envision like ordering a piece of swordfish at the restaurant. You literally could have eaten 300 pieces of, lop, of tilapia mercury wise. So um, I was eating a lot of fish. I was historically eating just tilapia, salmon, shellfish. And then I moved back to LA and I was like, oh, it can't be that bad. And then I had like, you know, a few pieces of swordfish and then I discovered all these other types I liked, like Chilean sea bass. And I was like, oh, it's okay if I just have like some here and there, but it was definitely too much for my body. So when I got tested, my blood levels of mercury were, it was literally off the charts. That was the first time I was like, oh, that's where the, the phrase off the charts comes. Cause it's like off the chart. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, my blood was like 30 or 30 something. So I I did, I did chelation. Did you do chelation for yours? No, I did a different form. And, and I'll share that when I get on your episode. But I'm, before I, I share that, like, I want to know, okay, you did, you did a blood test. And blood test is showing acute exposure, not necessarily like what's in your tissues and bones. Obviously, you had tissue, some in your tissue and bones because that amount. But what were your symptoms specifically from the high mercury load? Yeah. And, and just to comment on, because blood would be acute, but it, that's what was so weird about mine was for it to be 30. I mean, that's like occupational hazard levels of mercury, but it, it was from eating fish, which, so it was just really building up. Like my tissues yeah. must have just been so saturated. Um, but as far as symptoms, I, and that was like, really, I call it, <laughs> I have like my dark hole time. Like that was like during my dark hole time. When was this, by the way? How long ago was this? Um, this was like 20, it's like 2017, 2018-ish. Did, did you already have your period. podcast at this time? Yeah, I was. Okay. So 
one of the reasons for the longest time, I felt like I was like being lazy having podcasts because I felt like I was because I felt so unwell because historically, like I, you know, studied film and theater. I was acting. I was doing on camera stuff. And then I just felt like I was dying and I like didn't want to go out and see people. I didn't want to be on screen. I didn't want to be like, I'm like, didn't want to put up pictures. So podcasting, I was like, oh, here's a way I can literally just use my voice. Cause I was doing, I do audio only podcasts. I was like, I can like hide and I can just like, I can just like research and interview people and rest and like get my health back together. So yeah, it was bad. But as far as the symptoms, it was just overwhelming fatigue. I also had really severe anemia though, like really severe. I had to be hospitalized for it, but yeah, fatigue. Like I felt like I was like losing my memory, anxiety, hot flashes, insomnia, just not feeling well. So, um, it's nice to not be there anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So. What a, what a journey, very similar to mine. It was around the same time, 2016, 2017, when I discovered I had mercury poisoning. Mine didn't come from fish, though. Mine came from silver fillings. I had eight of them for 20 plus years. And that's the number one exposure to mercury is fillings. And then fish, you know, seafood is right underneath that. But for me, Melanie, I had eight silver fillings in my mouth for 20 plus years. And that mercury was just vaporizing into my brain, into my tissue, not to mention I got lead from my mom. So it was a combination of a lot of things. And then I started to come across Dr. Uh, Pampa's work, who's my mentor now. And he he showed me, you know, how to, you know, first of all, he told me, get those fillings out of your mouth the right way from a biological dentist, which I did. And then he taught me how to detox um, the metals out of my body. But I had a lot of those symptoms too. Brain fog. I remember at that time, I, I had to take naps throughout the day hormone issues. It's just such an upstream stressor. And my diet was perfect at that time. I was doing fasting and spending 500 bucks on supplements, but I didn't feel any better. Did, can you relate to that? Like you were doing probably all these biohacks, but you probably wasn't even moving that dial, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was, again, like that's why I'm doing what I'm doing today. Cause I was so relentlessly trying to find the answers. And it's interesting that it's a good question. And it it's something I've thought about before. Cause I remember when I was there, I was like, I should be able to just like intuitively work my way out of this. Like I should be able like my body should like be able to tell me what it needs. And I should be able to just like eat and like get better. And like looking back, it's like, I don't think that was a possibility. Like I needed to know about the mercury and I needed to like actually work on detoxing it. Like with the anemia, I didn't know I had that. And, um, if I hadn't gotten, I had to actually get like blood transfusions. And so that's like really scary. Cause it's like, I don't, it makes me grateful for modern medicine today, but yeah, everything. The nice thing is I learned so much about so many things that do help, but it was really hard without, you know, tackling the root issues to, you know, make progress. So, but I've kept, I've kept in today, a lot of the things that I learned in that journey. So it's good. So we're blessed now because you went through that pain to purpose and now you're able to educate. So educate us, Melanie. What are some of the things you've learned when it comes to these obesogens, these these toxins? Like what, what happens when these toxins get into the body? What is it doing? Yeah, it's um it's really, really overwhelming because you know, our our bodies are made to detox. Like they do it on their own and like the detox world, like we'll get backlash from people because they'll say, oh, like our body's naturally detox. You don't need to like actually do a detox, but that doesn't take it. Like our bodies were not 
accustomed to the overwhelming toxic burden that we have today. You know, so like even like with the mercury levels that, you know, that's historically that's more than it was or today it's more than it was historically, like the, the toxins in food and glyphosate and pesticides and then skincare and makeup is, that's something I'm really passionate about because there's essentially no regulation of that in the U.S. So could, you, could, you, could you speak about that? Because I, I, I know that you shared about that lipstick study in regards to lead. Could you share about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the number of endocrine disruptors and toxins, and these include, so endocrine disruptors, which mess with the hormones, obesogens, which actually can cause your body to store and gain weight and make it hard to lose weight, and even carcinogens linked to cancer. So these compounds are overwhelmingly abundant in skincare and makeup. And so in Europe, they've banned over a thousand of these as not being allowed. And in the US, they've banned 11. And it's it's a very random list too. Like I think one, one of them is mercury, um, which isn't even normally in skincare makeup. So um, so there's like essentially no regulation on uh, products in the US. So we're putting on like men and women, I, I forget the numbers of like how many products we use daily, but it's a lot. And so these compounds, we put them on our skin, they get direct access into our body, they build up in our tissues. Um, yeah, the lipstick study you're mentioning, they did a study where they were testing a lot of conventional lipsticks and it was like 70 of them, but every single one had lead in it. And some of them were like really high. And the half-life of lead in our bodies is up to 30 years in your bones. So when you're women like putting on some lipstick, you're probably putting in some lead in your body and it might cut half of it might come out like 30 years later. And um, when we have children, a large part of our toxic burden actually goes through the placenta into the newborn. So it's setting up future generations for issues. And um, the like our, the way our body handles these toxins is if it can't adequately get rid of them, it actually stores them in us, like in our fat stores to get them out of the way and protect us. So um, it's trying to do a good thing, but they end up just building up and, you know, perpetuating issues. So I, yeah, I'm, I just think this is such an issue and I wish there was more, more regulation, but there's, there's really not. Yeah, I do too. So in the meantime, it's these conversations that like are light bulb moments for people. And I, I speak a lot about this. I know you do as well. The toxicity part. I, I believe that it's the number one cause of weight gain and weight loss resistance. It's a high toxic load. And to your point, the number one priority for the human body, the innate intelligence is survival, right? So when these toxins enter the body, there is a pathway uh, called PPARY, where when the toxins enter the body, whether you're eating it from food or touching your skin or the lipstick, whatever it is, that pathway is activated. And to your point, Melanie, then those toxins are shuttled to your fat cells. Toxins love fat. And um, I forget who once said this, but the solution to pollution is dilution, right? It helps to kind of dilute that. So it doesn't kill you in the uh, short term, but over time, it creates just low-grade chronic inflammation. And lead, to your point, the half-life is a very long time. And it's been estimated that four generations until lead is out of the body, meaning like a mom loses bone when she gives birth to baby, lead is in the bone, and then it's passed on. And it takes four generations before that's gone. That's crazy, because that doesn't happen overnight. Like, like mercury, you could, you know, get it out in a few months to years, but lead is something that takes a lot longer. So I, I love that you talk about this, Melanie. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. And um, especially you're saying that the toxins and the role of weight loss and weight loss resistance, the obesogens that I was mentioning, it's, I mean, it's crazy everything they do. So they actually, so in our fat cells, they make our fat cells more inflamed, like you were talking about, they perpetuate inflammation. They actually cause the formation of new fat cells. They have studies where they affect insulin levels and like ghrelin levels. And I mean, it's, it's crazy. So I think, you know, a lot of people might just look at diet and exercise for weight loss, but this is playing a huge role and it's something that people can easily make change with. So I'm excited to that, you know, you too, that we're like sharing this information with people. Yeah. And it's really going to be determined on the person's stress bucket, right? If their stress bucket is very high, they're going to notice it right away. But somebody who has somewhat of a healthy stress bucket, it's not that full. It'll take a lot longer before those toxins could really show up in the form of symptoms. Like in your case, Melanie, I don't know if your stress bucket was necessarily high, but you kind of had the perfect storm. You had carbon monoxide poisoning, you had mold exposure, heavy metal uh, exposure from mercury from the seafood, and you said you uh, had food poisoning, and typically food poisoning leads to SIBO, so it's interesting that you said that. Hey, Keto Camper, it is time to get your shift together. What do I mean? Sugar Shift is a unique probiotic designed as a working system to convert the sugars, glucose, and fructose in your gut to the free radical scavenger mannitol, which also feeds a healthy gut microbiome, supports the mitochondria, and by the way, it increases the production of butyrate, which helps protect the gut lining and is one of the main ketone bodies. You heard of it, beta-hydroxybutyrate. This is one of my favorite formulas. It's an eight-strain formula built as a working system to provide specific gut functions, and it's unique in its probiotic formulation. One of my favorite things about this product is that it breaks down and detoxifies glyphosate. The product also includes strains that has been shown to improve muscle mass and support changes in body mass. I've used it with several of my Keto Camp Academy students, and they have reported to me It's helped them with their sugar cravings. It helped them with their transition from sugar burner to fat burner. Helps to keep them in ketosis and take the results to another level. Helps when they hit a plateau. Improves digestion. In a recent study, BiotaQuest, the company that makes Sugar Shift, showed huge improvements in blood sugar reduction, A1C reduction, also reducing LPS, which is an endotoxin that can create inflammation in your body. If you'd like to get your hands on a bottle of Sugar Shift from BiotaQuest, head to BiotaQuest.com, which is spelled B-I-O-T-I-Q-U-E-S-T, and then put the coupon code CAMP, K-A-M-P-1-0 at checkout, and also check out their other products as well. We'll drop links down below with the coupon code in the podcast notes. How did you deal with the mold, and then do you still have SIBO symptoms, or is that taken care of? Yeah. So, so I moved out of that apartment. I never did any mold specific protocol besides just the overall general detox and health supporting protocol. So I started doing like nightly sauna sessions, which I still do. And I'm obsessed with, I I mean, I did, I did try a, I have, it's right over there, a a Rife machine. (laughs) Um, I'm not, it's so complicated though that I never quite am sure if I'm like doing good with it or not. But um, I didn't, so I didn't take any like 
I don't, I didn't, I don't think I took any like mold specific supplements or anything like that besides like just general overall detox stuff like citrus pectin and things like that. But that's the thing that has really has stuck with me to this day. Not so much the SIBO. I don't know if I actually have SIBO anymore. I actually, I hit a point where I, cause I got really obsessive about it and I got really obsessive about, cause I got, you know, IBS from it and my like bowel movements and digestion. It became a, a psych, like not psychotic, but it became a, like an emotional mental complex for me, my fixation on it. And I was, I went through this period where I was like attack all the bacteria and I was taking like all the natural, like, you know, antimicrobials. And I, I did a round of rifaximin actually, which is the go-to antibiotic prescribed for SIBO. And that's actually what I, looking back, I did not react well to it, but the, talking about like the part that has lingered with me. Well, I finally hit a point where I was like, I'm over this. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to try to like attack SIBO anymore. I'm like, not even, I'm just going to like not think about it. And that, that actually, I think was a, a healthier transition for me personally. But to this day, I still have a lot of like digestive issues. And I found like the diet that works well for me. Um, and I exist within that. And I don't mind because I love what I'm eating. But um, the IBS and all that is sort of an ongoing thing. So I so empathize with people with digestive issues. And I so I like look back at myself before that. I'm like, Oh, that was nice. I took that for granted. So totally. And SIBO is is a concern. I mean, mild SIBO, not that hard to deal with. Uh, But then we have these severe SIBO cases. And it's it's been difficult to kind of take care of uh, severe SIBO. So we, we, me and my group, we've been kind of masterminding together on that. And there's so many moving parts. It's so interesting uh, on that. But I, I'm glad that you got out of the mold exposure and doing detox and using those binders does eliminate some of the mold. So you definitely got rid of that. And the fact that you do all these biohacks, and I, I just love that you experiment on yourself. You're, I'm very similar in that way. So let's transition here to the kind of biohacking, which is your jam and my jam. I'm going to ask you this question, Melanie. What are three of your favorite biohacking tips, tools, if you will? And then what are three of your favorite paid biohacking tools? So free and paid? Yeah, three of each. Okay. It's such a hard question because there's so many things. (laughs) What Um, comes to mind first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So free. Well, this is good because this is a free and a paid version. So cold, like all the cold things. So the, all the, the cold free version. Like that. <laughs> I love cold. It got cold. I'm in Atlanta and it like the the weather here. Cause where are you based? I'm in Miami. Okay. Okay. It's so, warm here. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Atlanta, like it'll like the seasons will just change overnight. Like it's like, okay, we're done. Like so it randomly decided that it was gonna be cold, which I love. But I so I love the health benefits of cold exposure. I've interviewed Wim Hof before, who's like just the most inspiring person. Have you had him on the show? No, not yet. The Iceman. Yeah. He's like, that's honestly the most inspiring conversation I've ever had in my entire life, hands down. So the free version would be like cold showers or going outside when it's cold. The not free version, I do cryotherapy every day. So I did that actually right before this. Where do you do that? Do you have like a place you go to? I go to um, Restore. Oh, cool. Okay. Restore Hyper Wellness. I'm not familiar with it, so but you, there's a place that you go to. So I was just curious if you had one of your own cryotherapy or if you go somewhere. No, I 
I actually haven't done a cold bath, which is what people normally um, will have at home. But I mentioned Restore because it's actually, they have like locations all over the US. So um, people can go and like get packages to make it affordable. Uh, Do you do cryotherapy? No, I don't. But I'm looking up Restore here. And you're right, there's a whole bunch of locations here in South Florida. So yeah, I think I was gonna say there might be one by you. There is. Yeah. I haven't done it yet. I've never done cryotherapy. Oh, oh, you would. I mean, so do you do cold baths or anything like that? I've done cold baths. Yeah. And you know, when I put the dial on my shower as cold as possible, it doesn't really get that cold because I'm in Miami. So I would have to do an ice bath or a cryotherapy session to really get that cold. I'm going to have to hear when you try it, what you think, because I, I, I love it. It's, it's amazing. How long do you do it for? Um, so the cryo session that I do is three minutes. And I think it's, I always forget how cold it is. I'm going to misquote it. It's negative 200 something, I think, like negative 220 maybe. But yeah, no, it feels amazing. And the endorphin release and I see a really, when I'm wearing a CGM, I see a really beneficial effect on my blood sugar levels. Oh, interesting. So you see just better overall, like postprandial glucose or just overall glucose numbers look better on the day of the cryo? Yeah. So it's, I see the same pattern every single time. Like my, my CGM will be, you know, at a certain level. And then when I go in the cryo, it spikes really, really high. And I I actually still don't know if that's from the cryo or if it's like the sensor just freaking out. But then after that, it drops down and it drops down lower than it was before. And it stays lower the rest of the day. So I've definitely seen a benefit from that. Yeah, I wonder if it is the center or or is it both? Maybe the stress, the, the positive stress from the cold therapy, which is the one that you use? Um, oh, monitor glucose monitor. Yeah, I've used both levels and NutriSense before, so I've been using NutriSense recently. How about you? I've used them both too, but NutriSense I'm doing some collaborations with. So I'm gonna ask. We should ask Kara that question. You know, do you think that cryo is changing? Oh, what did she say? Her. I think I've asked. I think I asked her in my uh, Q&A. I know I've asked either her or Casey at Levels. I think they said they probably thought that it was the sensor freaking out. What did it go to? What did it spike to? Do you, what does it usually go to? It It's high, like 180 or something. Uh, yeah, probably the sensor. I, I I doubt that just cold exposure could, even, if yeah. it, even though it's a stress, like 180 is a bit high. It's probably the sensor. Yeah, yeah. But I would anticipate that there would be a you know a dump of glycogen, but but probably not that that high. Not that much, yeah. And there's a cortisol response, I imagine too, because it's like the, just the stress of like being in there. But I don't think it'll go up to 180 mm-hmm. from that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I love that you test this. Okay, so uh, cold exposure is the free tip, and then cryotherapy is the paid tip. So they go hand in hand. What's the second one? So. Well, something that you are wearing, the blue light blocking glasses. So although, yeah, because those are, um, is that, which brand is that? Is that? um, True Dark. True Dark. Okay. True Dark is actually the first ones I ever bought, like way, way back in the day, the red ones. So I, I just think taking charge of your light exposure is so, so key. And I use blue light blocking glasses every single night of my life. And I I don't know how I would fall asleep without them, honestly. (laughs) Like it's so, and I've been doing that for years, like years, probably almost a decade at this point. But so that would be a paid version. I'm trying to think if there's the the free version of that. Well, so I think doing everything you can for your sleep 
So sleeping in a really dark room, this is like half paid, half not, but like sleeping in a, <laughs> sleeping in a really dark room, putting your, making it cold at night. So putting, I, I mean, I put it like 60 degrees, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that cold. And so my free thing, I'm lumping them all in together. So supporting your sleep in free ways. So making it dark, making it cold, turning off, you know, not engaging in social media and things like that before bed and wearing those paid blue light blocking glasses. So that would be two more things. And then third, so I'll just say, since I'm drinking it, I'm, I'm on the deuterium depleted water train. Um, it's something where I've interviewed two different people who are very well versed in deuterium depletion. Are you familiar with deuterium? I, I am familiar with it. Yeah. But I've never done any experiments with it myself. Yeah. So, so basically the concept is, um, deuterium is a heavy isotope of hydrogen and the people who study deuterium basically think that it is possibly one of the key factors in metabolic issues and all health issues today, because water is involved in everything in our cells and our body. And the deuterium isotope of hydrogen is a heavy form of hydrogen. And so to, make, to use really casual terminology, it basically gets stuck and gunks up the cell's mitochondria. So the people who study deuterium and deuterium overload and deuterium depletion think it really is like behind a lot of, I mean, all disease, which is interesting. They actually think that the reason the keto diet works is because it naturally depletes the body of deuterium levels. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, I haven't interviewed them yet. What, what's the gentleman's name? Do you remember? I know it was a man and a woman, right? I think from the company. Yeah. So I've interviewed two people. I've interviewed Dr. Q Collins at the Center for Deuterium Depletion. I can introduce you, by the way. By the way, if you want to be introduced to like anybody I've had on, just let me know. Likewise. Um, You're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so, so Dr. Q Collins, he's amazing. He's like one of the most kind, like generous, loving person that I've ever met. Very brilliant knows everything about water as well. And then I interviewed Robert Slovak at Light Water, which that's the, I'm like, that's what I'm drinking right now. So you can naturally deplete deuterium levels through actually like fasting or keto diet and things like that. And you can drink deuterium depleted water. So that's the expensive, or that's like the free, or sorry, the paid. That's another paid one. The paid, yeah, paid. the third paid the third one, paid. deuterium depleted water. Now what's the third free one? One more for free. Um, And this is, this was for like biohacking, right? Yeah. Free biohack. I would say, I don't know if this counts as a biohack, but I would say, wait, now I'm thinking of a few different things. Um, I, I'm torn between two. So give, them both, doing, yeah. give them both. Give them both. My audience both? wants okay. to know okay. both. <laughs> we have a bonus. So for years, I have been wearing. So rather than do a lot of hardcore exercise or like weightlifting, I wear weights throughout the day. So when I go to the grocery store, I sort of turn it into a workout. So I wear like I used to wear ankle weights and wrist weights, and sometimes even a weighted vest. But now I mostly just wear weights on my arms. But I love turning life into functional movement and just turning everything that I can into a workout. So I never use a cart. I buy a lot of water and glasses besides the um, deuterium depleted water. I 
get water at Whole Foods as well. Uh, so I like to carry as much as I can while wearing weights and make everything weight-bearing exercise. It's a brilliant way to live your life. It's like, why not? It's like, you're going to be grocery shopping. You're going to be picking up things. Why, why not use that as like a low-bearing workout? It all adds up. I love that you do that. Yeah, yeah. And ex- especially when you're fasting every day, I feel like doing that activity in the fasted state, you're further supporting fat burning and fasting upregulates human growth hormones. So you're supporting muscle on the flip side when you eat again. And yeah, so I'm all about that. And then the other free thing is just anything related to whatever resonates with you when it comes to like kindness and gratitude. So having like a gratitude journal, you know, thinking of things that you're thankful for, like a a good trick to fall asleep is to go through the alphabet and think of something you're grateful for, for each letter. So anything surrounding mindset and gratitude, I think is really, really important. I love that. I'm a big proponent of gratitude. My audience knows I call it vitamin G, the strongest vitamin in the world. Yeah. And uh, I love that. So that's terrific. And I'm going to ask you later what you're grateful for, but we'll save that for the last question. Great. Those are awesome tips. So cold exposure, um, prioritizing your sleep, dark bedroom, cold temperatures. I also make my room 63 degrees and then I use my chili pad, which is 56 degrees. So I like it cold. Uh, wearing weights throughout the day, kindness and gratitude journaling. And then we have cryotherapy for a paid hack, blue light blocking glasses and deuterium depleted water. That's a good list. Now, I'm going to ask you a very difficult question now. You ready? I think so. First, before I get to the difficult question, the easy question, how many episodes, if you combine both your podcasts, how many interviews have you done? Just an estimate. That's actually a difficult question because I don't know not to talk. Okay, wait. So... um we're at two. So for intermittent fasting podcasts, we're at 290. Um, like we're almost at 300. And then for Melanie Avalon, it's like in the one is it in the 170s or 180s. So um, I could check. Want me to check? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let me let me check your website here. Let me click on this one. And then Melanie Avalon podcast. So and have you done are all your episodes interview style? Or have you done like solo episodes as well? Everything is interv- everything is interview or um, a listener Q and A with on the IF podcast. So I haven't done any solos. So one seventy one on your Melanie Avalon. So one hundred seventy one episodes and then two hundred ninety one. So let's say you know let's say it's about five hundred just to call it even. Uh, so here's the hard question: Out of those five hundred, we'll say interviews you've done on your podcast. And you've interviewed some really brilliant people that I really love. And I've interviewed as well, a lot of them. So go subscribe to Melanie's two podcasts. But here's the question. What are the three most common themes from all of those interviews? Because there's a lot of interviews and a lot of conflicting info. But what are the three most common themes you've seen? Oh, that is such a good question. I thought you were going to say it was my favorite. That is such a good question. <laughs> mm. Okay. Probably... Oh, man. I know. I told you it's tough. I know. I know. This is... um. So I I think it might be a little bit self-selecting in who I interview that they reach this conclusion, but a lot of people are all about bio-individuality. So, you know, different diets and different things working for different people. And again, that's what I just so, so strongly believe. And I do occasionally have some people on who really think their way is, you know, that their way or the highway. But the majority of the people seem to appreciate that different things work for different people. So that's probably one. Two is probably, I mean, 
fasting is a theme. Like it, it really comes up even people who aren't hardcore fasting, even when fasting isn't their main thing, I feel like it often comes up somewhere at some point, even if like the topic isn't even related to diet. Um, a lot of people now are really on the fasting train. And then probably a third one would be, I feel like, like blood sugar control comes up a lot with a lot of people and insulin levels. Like that seems to be like a huge focus for people now. Yeah. I'll probably think of more later. That's good though. That's good. I, I, I love that. So bio-individuality is a common theme. I've seen that too. And that's so important because there's not, there's no cookie cutter approach. Unfortunately, it's not just, you know, eat less food and move your body and boom, you get results. No, it's more than that. Even keto, you know, keto is great, not for everybody in different lengths of it. So I love that you have guests that emphasize that because it makes sense. And then fasting, variations of fasting, whether it's like somebody who's a big proponent of it or somebody who sprinkles it in, but fasting is a common theme. And glucose and insulin variability. It makes sense because we know the more you spike glucose and insulin, the faster you're going to age. And if you could really master that, you're going to master biohacking. So that's a great list. Yeah. And and it made me think, it's like commenting on the fasting piece again. Like it's it's very rare that I have on somebody who is not a fan of fasting, but it does happen. But when it happens, I'm like so aware of it. I'm like, oh, this is a person who is not a fasting fan. So how do you, from what I get, you're a very loving, kind, smart person. And how do you handle a guest who comes on and you just don't agree with them, but do you engage in the conversation or just, you know, highlight them, let them speak their truth? Or how do you handle something like that? Yeah. So I, one thing I love about the show is I love being able to bring on people of all different perspectives. Like it's my, probably my favorite thing about the show because I, if there's one thing I know is that I, I know nothing and I share this all the time, but ever since I read the, like the studies they've done on split brain patients, where it's basically people who the two hemispheres of their brain aren't connected the way they quite should be. And so they can manipulate them. They can make it so that based on what they see, because like, you know, one, one of our eyes is connected to like one side of the brain and the other eye to the other, they can set up experiments where they can have people see things and experience things that only a part of their brain sees. So then the other part of their brain, like the language part of the brain will try to explain why these people are doing what they're doing. And it's shocking. Like people will basically just like, they'll just say things, they'll just make up stories. And presumably they think it's real, but it's because the language part of their brain can't explain what it saw. So it comes up with a story. And once you understand that you realize, oh, like literally your brain could just be making up stories about everything. Like literally we have no idea about anything. And I find that very freeing. And so <laughs> I love trying to find truth and I love bringing on people with different perspectives. And so people in general, the people that I bring on are very open-minded. Sometimes it's been very rare where I felt like, oh, this could be a little bit difficult to actually, you know, engage. But I haven't had, I actually haven't had any issues where it's been like too hard because it, it really doesn't bother me. Like I'm not, I'm not scared about different opinions. I, I welcome them. So it, I, I don't get nervous. It doesn't really bother me. And I don't really, 
I don't really have to like handle it any different because I just, if I just ask them what they think and why. So I can always just keep asking questions. Hey, hey, Keto Camper, I've got some thrilling news to share with you. The Buy Optimizers Black Friday mega sale is in full swing. And guess what? It's not just a one day thing, it's happening throughout the entire month of November. This mega deal is available only for Keto Camp podcast listeners with my special code. Yep, you heard me right. It's our little secret, Keto Camper. Now, you already know how much I love Buy Optimizers. These guys are the real deal when it comes to improving digestion. And let's not forget about their top of the line, Magnesium, which is truly the best on the market. They back up their products with a rock solid 365 day money back guarantee, no questions asked. Now is the time of year to fill up your shopping cart and stock up on Buy Optimizer's goodness. You won't find a better Black Friday deal anywhere else, not even on the mighty Amazon. One of my favorite Buy Optimizer supplements for those doing keto is Capex. Take that before your fatty meals and watch what it does for digestion and energy. They have a lot of other products that I use as well. So all you need to do is head over to buyoptimizers.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code KETOCAMP10 at checkout. I will drop that link in the podcast notes down below. You don't have to wait for Black Friday. This deal is taking place for the entire month of November. So why wait? Choose health over unnecessary things this Black Friday. Head over to buyoptimizers.com slash KETOCAMP and use the coupon code KETOCAMP10. We'll put that down below. Let's get back to the podcast. I don't have to debate them basically. Like I'm not trying to like prove anything. Mm-hmm. That's ter- That's wonderful. I think that's absolutely wonderful. You're curious and that's the way all podcasters should be, should be curious. And that's the way I am too. Now here's another question for you, Melanie. Have you ever recorded a podcast and decided not to air it? And if you did, you don't have to tell me if it, who the person was, if that is the case, but why you did not air the podcast. That is also a really good question. <laughs> Only two. And um, the first one, it was because, and I totally, I, you know, I might've never thought about this again, if you hadn't asked me this question, it was because it was before I launched the show and I was building up interviews to get the show going uh, for the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. And so it was somebody who I had reached out to me about being on the show and we recorded it and it was good, um, but her audio quality was not good. And this was like, now if that happened, like now if I show up to an interview and the audio quality is not good, I I won't record it. I I tell them like, I'll send you a mic, like a little, cause I've done that before. Like I will, I'll mail them a mic <laughs> so and we'll reschedule. But this was before that. So the audio quality wasn't good. And then I, I just never revisited that person. So that's why I didn't air that one. And then there's another episode where, I launched a supplement line. And so I had done an interview a while ago about a specific supplement that I am now making myself and or will be making myself. And so it, it was really good because it was educational, but it was also like that episode was a very much a funnel for that person's specific brand. So it, it doesn't really make as much sense to air it now. I'd rather do an episode on the topic without it funneling to a specific brand. Yeah, totally makes sense. Did they ask you about, hey, where's my episode? You know, they've been on the show multiple times before, and I, I don't think they realized that. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I think now it's been so long that they probably don't realize. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, so 
Awesome. I appreciate you answering those questions. You know, I, I like to hear that because you've done so many episodes as a podcaster. So it's cool to kind of get that feedback from you. Um, so thank you for answering those. Of course. How about you? Have you not aired? One of them I didn't air because similar to your uh, mic issue, um, the internet was going in and out. And I thought after we had the recordings, we could salvage it. And my my sound engineer could kind of do his magic, but it was not salvageable. And then we ended up not rescheduling for whatever reason. So that was one reason. A second one, um, I did an interview with Doc. Do you know who Dr. Rashid Buttar is? Dr. Buttar? I don't think so. So when, when everything was happening with COVID, he was one of like those doctors that were, he was going viral all over the place, you know, speaking out against COVID and some of the craziness in the beginning. And um, I got him on my podcast and it was an amazing interview and I was set to release it. It was scheduled. And then the night before, my lawyer calls me and he's like, do not release that episode. The FDA will come after you. They're coming after him. And I'm like, oh, well, not going to release the episode then because I don't want to get into trouble, even though it was an amazing interview and I felt like I wasted his time. So what I did was I sent an email to my email list and I'm like, look, I have this amazing interview. Fortunately, I can't release it to the public, but I can do like a one-time Zoom audio play uh, version or video of it, I could play it for you for those on my email list. So I got everybody on a Zoom and played it for them. But, you know, I was never able to release that episode because of my lawyer. Okay, so did you say because I have my own COVID airing story? Did you say that was like right when the pandemic started? Or was it that wasn't like four months into it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that it's that I, I would be curious to hear your experience. It's been such an experience as a podcaster you know, us going through COVID and the intensity of like what you can and can't talk about. And like, cause I know when it first started for me before it became political, cause like right at the beginning, you know, it wasn't too political. No, so I was, then it I, became all political. I know, unfortunately. I know. Yeah. So like looking back, I was, I, when it first started, I was like, Oh, I gotta like, I gotta do the COVID episodes. So I literally brought on David Sinclair and did a COVID episode cause he, I'd had him on the show for his book for lifespan. And so he was down to come back on because things weren't political yet. And then I did one with Dr. Kirk Parsley, who I had had on before. But then it was like, but then like, you know, just even a few weeks later, it was like, oh, don't do any, don't do any COVID episodes. So (laughs) I just find that I just find it so crazy. It's I do too. And it's, it's, it's a very delicate subject, unfortunately, like it's, it's all turned political. You know, the generalization is this, if you are opposed to wearing a mask, you're a Republican. If you're for the mask, you're a Democrat. It's like, no, that's a stupid generalization. But unfortunately, at least that's the way I I see things. I I think that's the way people look at it. And it's so much more than that. And I I tread lightly with the politics stuff. I never want to, you know, share my political beliefs or anything like that. But this specific one, my lawyer said the FDA was coming after this guy very hard because he was going Mm -hmm. viral and speaking out against like all the mandates. So he's like, you're going to get on their radar and you're growing so fast and you're, you know, you're authentic and you have nothing negative about you, but you don't want to be on their radar because they could make up whatever they want. So that's why I decided not to release it, unfortunately. No, no, it's so good to hear your experience with that because it was, it was a hard decision because I, I, I aired the first two. Um, but then after that, I, I made a personal decision just not to talk about it. And I was like, am I doing a disservice by not talking about it? But also, it's like if you get censored or taken down or canceled, then you're not reaching anybody. So I was like, I'll just, you know, 
no comment to stuff and just talk about other things. That is the same exact thought I had. It's like, I'm for the cause. I want to help people and get this information to them. But it's like, oh, if you get deplatformed, yeah. you can't help anybody. Yeah. So it's like, oh, And then I, re- I remember like, then I remember when I got COVID and then I, um, I did my protocol that really, really helped um, with getting over it. And then I was torn because I was like, I really want to share this, but I don't want to get, yeah, deplatformed. So it's, it's crazy. It is. It's thankfully, it's not as crazy as it was maybe a year ago. Yeah. The censorship and just all that. But in two years, when the election's about to come back, (laughs) it's going to get crazy again. So be prepared, my friends. And it's tough, uh, Melanie, as as a podcaster and somebody I know you want to just do good and share what worked for you. People get, and I know you've seen this, and I know Cynthia's seen this, anybody who's a content creator has seen this. People get a dopamine high from being offended. You, mm-hmm. you could say, I have the cure to cancer, you know, do this. And it's like, how dare you? You know, chemotherapy has been, pr-. it's like, there's always going to be somebody who's going to be offended. <laughs> have you seen that to be true as well? So this is actually one of my favorite topics to talk about because I am fascinated by the concept of being offended. And I think one of the biggest epiphanies I've had for me personally is that if I ever feel offended, it means there's something in me that I am scared of or insecure about or triggered by. Like it is not the other person. It is never the other person. Like as far as like the responsibility you being offended is not the other person's responsibility. Even if somebody comes up and says something to you that's like mean and awful and terrible. Okay, so they said something mean and awful and terrible. Like how you react to that is still your reaction. And I think it's really powerful too because now if I ever do feel like I am offended by something or feel defensive, I can, it's very, it's like, it's like a, like a flashlight or a mirror. It's great. Cause you can be like, Oh, wow. Like, what am I insecure about here? Or what is my ego offended by? But yes, people do get very offended by things. Like people will get offended by your presence. It's like, okay. I just don't even know like what to do with that. Like how dare you with your blonde hair, Melania? It's I'm offended. I'm appalled by your blonde hair. Yeah, it's a mirror. No, they really will. I know. So. I, I I agree. And I've seen it too, which is why awareness is, is you know, you have awareness to see, hey, if you're if you're being offended, what's going on with me? What is some sort of insecurity, some sort of unknown? So I actually have this coin here. And I got this from Bob Proctor, who's this gentleman behind me, my mentor who passed away this year. And on this coin, it says, react and you lose control. And on the back, it says, respond and you're in control, right? So I always carry this with me. And if I find myself reacting, which is like either judging or being angry, I'll flip the coin and say, okay, respond and I'm in control. Like what's going on here? So it's very similar to what you just shared. Oh, I love, no, I love that. I'm going to remember that. I think also the um, the space in between the reaction or the response, like if people just want to so quickly react and respond. And I heard something... It was on Rich Roll, and I don't remember who the guest was. He said this. I don't know if this is actually true, but he said that the brain takes three days to like reset if you're having a reaction to something. So he was saying that, um, like, basically, if you if, if something happens and you you want to engage back with that person, and it's like a reactive response, that you should actually wait 
if it's like something intense, you should actually wait three days and then see if three days later you still want to do it. So if it's like sending an email or like calling somebody out on something, and I found that to be really powerful. That's really good because there's been times and it doesn't happen often, but where I'll get a comment on whatever social media feed and I don't normally do this, but I'll, I'll react and say something not like really vicious, but I'll say something that three days later, I, I would have been like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have wrote that. So I like that idea of let's wait 72 hours and then see if you still feel the same way. And then you could go ahead and respond instead of react. It's great. Yeah, no, it's, it's really practical and really implementable. So yeah. So three days later, if you're still feeling it, then maybe maybe say something then go for it. Yeah, then maybe go for it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's such a great, great thing to, to chat about. And uh, yeah, that's the, the day and age we live in. A lot of people I, I, I was just with Tony Robbins. Do you, do you like Tony Robbins work? Oh, at all? Nice. Have you studied yeah, I, I, I no, I, I do love his stuff. And I love I love that he's done. Um, was it about because he does that book with what's his name it's about the longevity one? He has the book Life Force. Yeah, which is yeah. The one, Peter Diamant. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I've loved this work. But me and my fiance just did his uh, Unleash the Power Within uh, here in West Palm Beach just two weeks ago. It was absolutely life-changing. One of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. And my life is forever changed in the best way possible. Wow. My fiance too. It's like, I can't recommend it uh, anymore. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because he said something that just was, it's a brain tattoo now. It's, I'm going to remember this forever. He said, there is no such thing as a victim, only volunteers. Mm, I have to think about that. That is good. What does that mean to you, Melanie? There's no such thing as a victim, only a volunteer. Yeah, to me, I, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about even if somebody walks up to you and, you know, does something really, really awful to you, like I actually still think the responsibility for actions are on your are on you. So regardless of actions and what people are doing, like you are choosing if you are interpreting that as you being a victim. Because if there are no, like, really, there could be no victims, there are just people doing actions that affect people different ways. Because, you know, actions have reactions and, you know, force re results and other things. So it's just energy interacting between different things. And so the idea of a victim is a story. It's a story in your head of you not having power, you not having control and things happening to you probably with intention and purpose from other people negatively. And so you're volunteering to make yourself that. But really, it's all just actions and energy. Mm, well said. It's a story. And the cool thing about that, because you're right, it is a story. And the cool thing about that is if you if you created the story that you're a victim, hey, you could create the story that you're a victor uh, and you're a winner. And you could create a whole new story that actually serves you in humanity instead of selfishly getting you some sort of rage dopamine hit. So great explanation. And I, I recommend you do Tony Robbins if you ever get a chance. I think it'll be a game changer for you, Melanie, and anybody else listening to this. No, I I think I would I would love it. And And that is like the example you just gave is is such because like think about it there could be a situation where normally people would say that that person is a victim but like what you just said you could literally reframe it as this awful thing happened to me and i did this and this and this and i survived or i overcame it literally yeah you, like you just said you, there is no victim now you are a victor so wow yeah perspective is perspective amazing. you know and it, it's really amazing when you 
this conversation is amazing because it brings awareness. And that's the first thing. It's like you have to have awareness. The, the problem, the challenge is that so many people don't have awareness. There, Earl Nightingale said people are tiptoeing their way through life, hoping to land safely on death's door. It's like going through the motions. Instead of living 70 years, they live one year 70 times. So they don't have awareness. They have the same thoughts every single day. So that's what makes you special, Melanie. You obviously have awareness and you're uh, wanting to do good and educate people. And I, I would love that for the rest of humanity. Just if I had one wish, it was just the, the wish to give people more awareness of their thoughts and their situations. I love that. Well, obviously, it's all the same with you, Ben, as well. So this is absolutely amazing. And um, it, it's funny, we have similar things that my my wish for humanity has always been that everybody would just be kind. Because then, like, literally, if everybody was kind, you we wouldn't have any issues. Like you could have any thoughts, you could have any feelings, you could, people could say different things and it would all just be okay. Um, and I think that would come in with a sense of awareness with it by its very nature, because you have to have an awareness of that people, you know, you, I think you have to have an awareness of people too, and of yourself to be kind. So. Yeah, absolutely. It goes hand in hand. So I love that. So here's my final question for you. It's an easy one. Vitamin G, gratitude. Let's take your daily dose. What are, what are you grateful for today? What do you want to give vitamin G to? Yes, and I love this so much. We're so similar because I as well end my show, every show with um, asking people what they're grateful for. I just love gratitude because, you know, they say that you can't exist in a state of fear and gratitude at the same time. So it's it's like a great hack going back to like a, you know, a, a free hack. So something that I'm grateful for. So something I learned the other day interviewing AJ Jacobs. He had a book, he has a book on gratitude. He, he's so funny. He's like, a, he's a writer at like all these different publications and he just writes, he has a four, four times New York times bestseller and he just writes the most random stuff. Like I was interviewing him for his book on puzzles. Actually, he has a book on gratitude. And one of the things he shared in it was that you should be like really, really specific in your gratitude to make it more powerful. So I'm going to say I'm really, really grateful that, because there's so many like big things I could say. So maybe I can give two answers, but something like really specific. I'm just really grateful that it's turned cold recently because I, I do not do well with the heat and the, all of that. So I'm so happy that it turned actually cold. I'm happy that it's cold. Like it was today and that my air conditioner is not broken because it broke over the summer multiple times. So I'm just really loving this temperature a lot, like right now. But I have bigger gratitudes, like more overall, just in general for like my second thing I will say is um, when I was struggling with all the health issues, I uh, I used to say that I knew I'd be grateful for it someday. And I kind of like would pretend like I was grateful for it, but I didn't feel grateful for it, like because it was just so miserable. But I was like, someday I'll be grateful I honestly can say now that I am grateful for all of it because I would not be doing what I was doing today if I hadn't experienced it. So every single thing I went through, every like diagnosis, every fear and health challenge, like literally I learned more things from it. It led to my podcast, it led to what I'm doing today. So I, I am, I am grateful that that all happened. That's beautiful and so relatable. So if somebody's watching this on YouTube or listening and you're going through a lot of challenges, let's say it's health challenges, just know you're going to look back one day and be grateful for it. It's all on the way, not in the way. 
And Melanie, I love that you shared that. It's, it's so important. I know Tony Robbins once said, when you change expectation for appreciation, you change your life. And uh, that's exactly what you just did. And I appreciate you, uh, Melanie. Thank you for coming on my show. Go subscribe to both of your podcasts. Uh, you have one with Cynthia Thurlow, who we love, called the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. We have the Melanie Avalon Podcast. Your website is melanieavalon.com. Share your social media and anywhere else you want on the go, Melanie. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you again so, so much for having me. This has been, this is everything I thought it was going to be. Like I said, I've been dying to meet you and have heard, actually also, I just remembered somebody else who mentioned you, a mutual friend, you know, Dr. Caroline Leaf. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, mean, I know of her. Yeah. I don't know her personally. Did she talk about Oh, you don't know her personally? No. I maybe. thought um, somebody was saying that I think, well, I think because I'm friends with, um, I'm really good friends with her, her daughter, who's her assistant. And she was talking about how much she loves you. Um, oh, wow. That's good so, to know. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I no, but thank you so much. I've like heard such amazing things about you. So it's, thrilling and beautiful to meet you in real life. And uh, you're just amazing. And thank you for what you're doing with your show and all of your work. It's just really life changing for people. So people can follow me. I'm Melanie Avalon, all the places, the two podcasts, like you mentioned, I have three Facebook groups. If you just Google, if you just type in Melanie Avalon, it'll come up in Facebook. And that's where I really, so my, my big one is called IF biohackers. And that's where I really engage with people the most. So if you actually want to, you know, talk and interact with me and a lot of fellow biohackers who are all kind and really savvy and nuanced, that's a good place to be. And then I recently did launch my supplement line. So you can get that at avalonx.us. Uh, right now we have a serapeptase, a magnesium, and we're about to launch a berberine. I'll have to send you all of these, by the way, Ben. That'd be awesome. Congratulations on that. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And I don't know, do you do um, listener codes? Would you want to have a code for your audience for that? I would love okay. that, please. What's, yeah. your, um, what's your code normally? Keto camp, just uh, camp with the K, keto camp, you know, no space in between would be terrific. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So we will get that set up for you. So keto camp will get you 10% off. And I'll just like to just say really quickly, the reason I started that company was because I like we talked about earlier, being really involved with supplements and health and diet. I take supplements. The supplement industry is very, very sketchy. I literally just wanted to make the very best version of everything that I want to put into my body. So you can like, I can guarantee you this is like the best. <laughs> I like put everything into making these the best that they can be. So Keto Camp will get you 10% off at avalonx.us. Awesome. We'll put all that in the notes down below. Thank you, Melanie. I appreciate the conversation today. You're doing amazing work. Keep at it. Uh, we'll do more collaborations. I know uh, we'll do many, many more collaborations. So my audience appreciates you. I do as well. And thank you so much for the conversation today. Thank you, Ben. And I can't wait for you to come on my show. We have it booked. So it's going to be very exciting. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Melanie. She's fun. I love her. If you want to watch the video format of today's interview and all interviews, go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ketocamp. Go check out her podcast, the Intermittent Fasting Podcast with her and Cynthia Thurlow and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast available everywhere. Go check her out on Instagram. We'll put her Instagram down below. Her website is melanieavalon.com. And if you want to get any of her supplements and with a coupon code ketocamp at checkout, her supplement website is Avalon x.us. You could find that down below as well. 
Please share this episode with a friend and please consider leaving the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and a review. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. I love you. I appreciate you. I've got vitamin G for you and I will see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.